He's on the droid. Get away from her, you bitch! Well, let me finish them, please. I only have one rule. Everyone fights, no one quits. Okay, uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, I'm David S. Doss, and I'm the host of two podcasts, The Intellectual Podcast and The Sci-Fi Sunday Version 2.0 Podcast. You can find those on iTunes or Stitcher, or wherever, uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, joining me is my co-host, Steve Schwartz. Hello. And our two guests, uh, Doc Phineas, who joins us last year for our, hey. our podcast here at Hukon. Hello. Hello, wonderful to be here. And John Davey, hello. Hello there, everybody. Um, <laughs> So we do have a microphone. If any of you have any questions for our two guests, like feel free. We, we would love to have you ask them out loud. But uh, I think we're just going to kind of dive in and chat for a little bit. We will get to a big celebratory moment uh, for the 20th anniversary of Big Finish, which uh, we're celebrating today. And uh, we will kind of interrupt the podcast in the middle a little bit so that we can give everybody cake, right? That's really why you're here, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, that's why I'm here. Let yeah. them eat cake, yes. <laughs> um, you're just here to endure us to get to the cake. <laughs> so, Doc. Yes, sir. What have you been up to since we saw you last year? Oh, boy, this has been such a wonderful and busy year. I just can't even begin to tell you how happy I am. You know, when you get to be my age, you wonder if there's going to be any jobs left for you. You know, I've had a, a nice good run of over 60 years in the uh, entertainment industry. But this year, I'm actually on six TV shows and four new movies. Wow. And uh, it's been very exciting. Um, my most recent movie, which is called Duds, and I star in that movie, and I'm playing a character based on Charlie Chaplin. Nice. And that was a huge thing for me because I used to own Charlie Chaplin's home in Hollywood. Wow. So wow. I, I slept in his bedroom. I lived in his house for 20 years. And so I really felt like I met the ghost of Charlie Chaplin <laughs> in this movie. And I'm very proud to say at 70, I did my own stunts, which included, I, I played the role of a hobo. And I jump off trains and do forward rolls, moving trains. Wow. Which was, you know, quite a tour of duty, but I wanted it to look so real. And that whole idea of being a hobo, you know, now we call people homeless. Right. But in that era, we called them hobos. And they carried uh, sticks with little kerchiefs well, with bunch Yeah, of well, I had that. You know, <laughs> that sounds really cliche, but, but I did. But what I loved about it was when I was a little boy, my grandfather took me to some of these camps. I got to see these men. And they would wander from town to town, just grabbing a train and then doing an odd job. It, wherever they went. And that was quite a journey for me to get in that mindset of what it was to be like that and to play it in a way that maybe would give people a little bit of empathy for people who define themselves to be a homeless person or a hobo. And then uh, what happens in the movie is that uh, I end up with a beautiful Louis Vuitton case, traveling case filled with fantastic wardrobe. And I open it up. Well, it's all my own clothes, right? It's all <laughs> right. my crazy clothes I wear. Mm -hmm. And so the whole thing called duds was do clothes make the man. So once I put on these clothes, people who were like, oh, get out of my way, you crummy hobo. Now they're like, oh, would you like to come to my cocktail party? <laughs> uh, would you like to model in our fashion show? So, um, you know, what I found was that, you know, just by changing your clothes, 
you can change your whole life. Yeah. So that was a fun journey. And we just won the Silver State Film Festival. We won Tokyo Film Festival, Best Comedy Short. Wow. And uh, now we're on our way to Sundance and Cannes. Woohoo! Congratulations. So, very nice. <laughs> Pretty exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. It's been a great year. It's That's been awesome. a really great year. So uh, what are the, uh, excuse me, uh, what are the uh, television shows you've been working on? Uh, well, right now, you know, I'm in the 16th series of 16th. Can you imagine? Of Pawn Stars. So they signed me for 10 episodes in this current series. And uh, I really like it because I'm getting to help them find the people that want to come on board and pawn stuff on television and really help the people that have fantastic stuff. The great backstories, amazing bits of history to talk about. Mm -hmm. So that's good. And then I'm at Mysteries at the Museum, and that's on Travel Channel. I'm on a new show on travel called Haunted Hospitals, which if you haven't seen it, it's a lot of fun on Monday nights. So that's mm. pretty cool. And uh, then I have a new one at Warner Brothers called Touched, which is a spinoff from Pawn Stars, where I go to people's homes and I do appraisals, but also look at the paranormal experiences behind their antiquities. So by holding the out, uh, object, do psychometry. And uh, then the final thing, I just did a movie made for television by Stephen King called Mute. And uh, it's pretty fun. I play this uh, odd cowboy who's out in Area 51 picking up hot chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, it does not end well. <laughs> Anything begins with Air Area 51. Never Area 51, really hot women with shining gold eyes looking. Now, I not actually, the right people to pick up. I've actually crazy. had lunch at the Little Alien. There are not a lot of hot chicks in that area, I'm just saying. That place is so scary. I never want to see alien jerky as long as I live. <laughs> So, but, John, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, for anybody here who doesn't know what you what you are and, and what who you do. doesn't know, <laughs> um, well, I've been very fortunate that I've been working on the TV show known as Doctor Who. Doctor, has anybody here heard of Doctor Who? Has anybody? Yes. yes. And got a little I following. Start, I started working on it in season two, and I got a role playing one of the Cybermen. Uh, which was absolutely fantastic. Went for an open audition. There was 50 guys there. I didn't know what it was for. Spent the day with the amazing uh, choreographer for Dot 2, Elsa Burke, who, in fact, I then later found out she was actually in Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi. Really? She was a character called a man man who was <laughs> guarding uh, Han in Carboni, and also um, uh, an amazing performance that she did in Tarzan Legend of Greystoke. Hmm. where she played the chimpanzee mother of Tarzan. Uh, so she's uh, an amazing uh, dancer. That's her background and also character actor, creature performer. So she spent a day with us and we did a whole day marching around, walking around with her eyes closed, doing various different movement activities. And at the end of the day, they said, this is an audition to be the Cybermen in Doctor Who. And I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, but by the way, it's top secret. You can't tell anybody. Um, I then waited for the phone call, fingers crossed, got the phone call, went to Millennium Effects, the company, Neil Galton's company, that make most of the creature com costumes for Doctor Who. And literally, if the suit fits, I got the job. <laughs> um, spent 35 days on Doctor Who playing the Cybermen, which was an amazing experience. And then little did I know that I would then end up in another 43 episodes playing um, Ood, Jadoon, Hath, Daleks, Whispermen, Vigil, and 
a plethora of other. But monsters. everything that scares little kids, you you get to play that part. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I don't play myself scaring little kids. But, uh, that what wouldn't great, be good. What a great business this is where you can have a business card that says "creature performer" as, <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a job title, right? That's true. <laughs> How um, so? You you play a lot of characters that 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 have masks and where we don't get to see your face. Yeah. As an actor, how do you how do you pursue a character like that? Where do you find the performance where so much yeah so the process normally starts um obviously with the script being written uh and and then elsa would look at the script and then also talk to uh millennium effects um uh and then back with the writer and the showrunner over uh how the creature moves and what the story is about the creature uh then she would look at the costume and then come up with movements that would work in the costume um, so most of the, most of the characters that I played are all humanoid. Mm-hmm. Um, so you obviously have to try and get away with not being too human. So obviously your movements will then reflect the character. Right. Uh, so there's a very specific way that a Cyberman stomps into a room, right? Like, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So the, they the, don't just gently glide into a into yeah. space. <laughs> and obviously in the, in classic Doctor Who, the Cybermen kind of, just wandered around like a man in a suit. Um, <laughs> looked more like spaceman than robot. <laughs> exactly. So the uh, the idea um, that Russell T. Davis came up for uh, in series two was the cyber industries. John Lumick had created these uh, Cybermen because he was dying and obviously wanted a, to live on with a uh, uh, you know the aid of robotics. Um, so the cyber industries Cybermen were all. Uh, robots as such, but they would then cut the brain out of the humans and put the brain in to control it. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we had to make sure that we were very uniform and robotic in our marching, and we all had to march in time as well. Uh, probably the trickiest thing to do was that um, we didn't swing our arms because obviously when you walk, you walk in opposition. So right. when your right legs forwards, your left leg. Mm-hmm sorts the the gate of your body out so uh most of the challenges were marching but not swinging your arms um has uh, anybody tried to do that ever (laughs) i I actually had to try to do that in my theater class when we were learning body motions it's hard yeah it's so hard to stop your arms from moving yeah and you can very aware of your body and how your body moves um, I think the other thing that was very difficult was actually standing still, doing nothing. Um, it doesn't sound like it would be a challenge, but if you're wearing a costume that weighs 50 pounds, um, literally standing still and having to be very still is probably harder than actually moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the scenes where we just stood still, we have our arms out and our fists are clenched and the gloves were made out of silicon, which has a tendency to spring back again. So you're literally straining all the time to keep yourself in this position. Uh, normally, when they would shout "cut," you would just see these Cybermen kind of just uh, <laughs> just then start <laughs> just start moving. Melting. <laughs> yeah, uh, but between scenes, it is quite funny because we all came up with our own little devices to actually stretch our body out because it was so rigid so you'd sort of see cybermen slumped to one side or bent over kind of pushing up to try and alleviate strain on your back (laughs) hey doc yes you have a a plethora of incredible outfits oh yeah 
do you have different outfits that are more suited for certain types of events? I mean, if we're talking about how costumes, you know, affect the body and how we, we yes. behave and move. I'm completely out of control. <laughs> completely. But uh, right now I have 4,000 costumes. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is that I've always that been all? a costume. <laughs> Sorry. I've been a co- And my mother is the culprit behind all of this. But when I started kindergarten, she started sending me to school because... I wanted to be a clown. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a clown, you know. And so she would send me in clown outfits to kindergarten. <laughs> and um, so I've just been collecting, and I just never could let go of a good costume. So, so over the course of 70 years, I have 4,000 costumes, 4,000 outfits. Wow. And a lot of them came very famous outfits, like um, Edith Head. I have outfits made by Edith wow, Head. Wow, really? Um, I went to all of the studio sales at Paramount. Mm-hmm. And so uh, some of my uh, jackets that I wear were used in Showboat, in the in the oh, movie Showboat. And uh, I also have, um, well, Tony Curtis gave me one of his jackets from Some Like It Hot. And I have Michael Jackson's leather jacket from Thriller given to me. The by red Michael. one? The red one. Wow. It, Do you have were... like a whole separate house just for your clothes? Because <laughs> I don't think I could, like my closet yeah. okay. is like the... You all are Hoovians. It's bigger on the inside. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. But uh, unfortunately... We should do do an entire uh, show just on your your wardrobe. No. (laughs) Well, no, I've taken up all four closets. Poor Harry has this much, you know. (laughs) He's like, are you putting a jacket on my side? Because, And um, and, uh, now the entire garage, two-car garage, is now usurped. Wow. With all, because when you make a movie, you have to keep the garb for at least one year in, in case you're going back for pickups. Right. So I have two racks right now just from uh, the last movie that I made, like from Duds and from uh, Devil in the Details. And then uh, we still have a rack. We have a rack now that's assembling for my next movie, which is I'm in Marvel Comics in the number two starring position in the Steampunk Adventures of Salem Tusk. That's so cool. So that's going to be an amazing new movie coming out with Bishop Stevens. I'm talking to this gentleman right here because I'm, I'm looking at John saying, hey, John, you need to be in this movie. Yeah. I'm hoping John and I are going to get that. Oh, yes. And, I, I, and I'm going, yeah, I want to be in the movie. Come on. Come on. Come on. You know you want to. Let's a sea of green out there. Yeah. It would never be like, no, I just think John would be fantastic. Oh, that'd be and, amazing. Um, I've already sent his photo off to our producer. And, um, you know, I just, um, it's so much fun that uh, a lot of times in Hollywood, you're going to see people, you know, they're in costume all the time, so they really don't wear a costume outside of being in front of the camera. But I'm so odd. You know, I'm different. I, I wake up in the morning and I hear this voice, I swear to God, and it says, cobalt blue jacket, plaid pants, one leg, the other leg black, uh, strange sunglasses, and a blue bow tie given to me by P. Diddy. I swear to God, I hear it coming from my higher power. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm on to it. And uh, that's how my day wakes up. As oddly as it seems, a little bit like Adina Monsoon on Absolutely Fabulous. And, you know, yes. she has a doubt. Yeah. Not the green. Not, not the green. <laughs> so, unfortunately, that's, that's the madness that's possessed. And the hat just... Well, and the hat, you know, and I was thinking of what I normally wear a top hat. Right. But somehow I was thinking cyber time traveling pimp. <laughs> I, don't, 
That's what Nailed it. <laughs> I'm so glad you all approved. Um, well, speaking of, you know, your eccentric wardrobe, uh, yes. the doctor is always known for having an eccentric wardrobe. Um, yes. Who enjoyed watching Jody's doctor find her wardrobe this past season? Was yeah. that me? Oh, was that me. wonderful? Yeah. We Fantastic. usually don't get to see that process, right? Like yeah. the doctor just shows up with new clothes and you just deal with it, right? Uh, I loved I loved that that whole sequence where, where she's picking out the different outfits and trying Me stuff too. on. And the reaction she got from her com companions. You know, and it sends out a great message to young people today in a world that's kind of just, you know, grungy. And I think people just kind of wear whatever they've got. And then it's like, hey, you could possibly have fun, you know, doing this. And I get a lot of fan mail of people like, would you take me shopping? Especially from guys, you know, because they're like, they want to go there and they'd like to look like a steampunk. And they're like, I think you've got my new look, doc, but they don't know how to put it together, where to shop. And I actually take guys shopping, sometimes girls. That's the show. It's so much, yeah, absolutely. We should do a show yeah. where you dress up dudes. Yeah, right. dress up guys and, and steampunk them out or Doctor Who them Yeah. Or, you know, uh, you heard it here. We figured out the next big show. For I think God. that could be a great reality show. <laughs> yeah, let's let's yeah. make that happen. And well, and they don't know where to go. Well, you know, most of our stuff all comes from secondhand thrift stores, yeah. the vintage shops. That's where the best stuff is. Yeah. Nobody, you can't find this at Gap. <laughs> no, you know, definitely you have, not. You have to go out there and like dig and hunt and pick, and it's really a lot of fun. That's beautiful. Yeah. Hey, John. So. Uh, you know, we talked about Doctor's Clothes a little bit. As a creature performer in Doctor Who, what is your favorite creature from Doctor Who? Both that you've played and maybe that you haven't played. Okay. So the Cybermen was the first thing that I did. So normally I would say the Cybermen, but if you ask me that question after wearing the costume for 12 hours, <laughs> it might be a different answer. Um, it's possibly the Cybermen, or when I got to play a Dalek for the very first time, that was quite special. That was in Victory of the Daleks. Mm. Uh, and up till then, um, the original Dalek in the episode, the, the Rob Sherman episode Dalek, that was Barnaby Edwards that played the Dalek. Uh, then when they had three Daleks, uh, it was Barnaby, Nick Pegg, uh, and Dan Barrett. Uh, and then in Victory of the Daleks, there were probably eight Daleks on screen at one time. So uh, what Barnaby and Nick did was uh, they basically trained up uh, five of the guys that had played some of the other monsters and spent a day sort of Dalek 101 training and making sure that uh, everything that we did was correct. And obviously, you know, Doctor Who fans will pick up if the Dalek's not moving in the right way. Right. So uh, we made sure we did that. Uh, we, we did that right. Um, but it, yeah, it was a, a quite special, uh, special moment. And also uh, Mark Gatiss that wrote the episode was there on set and I was kind of fanboying out. I was like, oh my God, of course. Mark Gatiss, <laughs> and League of Gentlemen and everything. So, um, uh, and he was next to me and, and he said, he goes, the orange is my favorite Dalek. And I was trying to work out whether it's the Dalek or me or the Just mixture of both. And I was like, yep, yep, I'll take that anytime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just take whatever win you can take. Does anybody have any questions for the for our guests? Any guests? I just want to make sure that I'm, you know, we're not hogging the conversation. Okay. Hold on, we we want to get you Wait. on the mic so we can we can hear your question. 
I was going to say that when you shop for costume, like one of the, the, the problems that I have is like sometimes you like the style, but it might be too big and you have to end up to like sew it yourself and stuff. So you need to like do that for you or do you just like kind of find it like just fit you? Well, I think you're absolutely right. That's a big issue because you may be looking for a specific color or style, especially in steampunk, and, and then you find it and it doesn't fit. You know, it's usually too large. And so I would say my best friend is my seamstress. And uh, I shopped all over Vegas and I found this really great, fantastic little wonderful lady. I think she's from Guatemala and she just loves to sew. And so she can just take it and fit it. And then, oh yes, I had my tailor do this in London. <laughs> <laughs> it came from Goodwill and Poway, you know. <laughs> so that's how you do it. And almost everybody will tell you here, like probably most of the steampunk people, the coolest clothes can all sew. And so you do have to do a little bit of, you know, because you're, it's a find, right? And there may only be one. When I found this suit, um, this blue suit, I was thinking TARDIS. And I, I've got to find a suit that says to me Doctor Who. So if I was going to play Doctor Who, it would have to be in cobalt blue. You know, I would want to match the TARDIS. And so I looked all over the place and I found this in Florence, Italy. And I put it on and I go, come on, God, make it fit. You know, it's just got to, this has got to work. And I put it on and just a little bit of taking it in. And people swore that I had it custom made. And it was the, he said, that's the only one that I ever had in that color. So you grab it. When you find it, you dive in. Just like, you know, you're in a bra sale at Macy's. You're like, give me that one. That one's got my name on it, you know. So, and then uh, take it and make it fit. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And if you're having trouble with finding a seamstress that can work on essentially costuming and stuff, uh, find a local theater, uh, you know. and, and Great idea. And they, yeah. they know costumers idea. and seamstresses who work on the costumes and stuff for the theaters. And they can oftentimes help you help you find that. Another question? John, were you in series 11 or are you going to be in series 12? Can you say? Yeah, I knew you'd get that question. <sighs> I didn't even know that. Uh, not this one. Didn't want to disappoint. John, on what day does Christmas fall? This year? Yes. <laughs> well, um, obviously when you're working uh, on a show, um, they're very secretive about... Uh, the, the whole show and they you're basically told you are not allowed to talk about the show or take any photographs or or do any social media otherwise you may not work on the show again um, and sometimes it can be tricky because of social media some people will like to just make up things uh, and it happened to a friend of mine working on the set of Doctor Who that a fan uh, noticed him and then um, tweeted, oh, I spoke to so-and-so, and he told me all about the episode. And he got a phone call from um, his agent saying, what are you doing talking to the fans production of... Fairly quickly. Too. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I, I've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I just turned up, and obviously this person has made up the story. So um, possibly that's a very long-winded answer to your question that... Uh, I, I was in. I was in the last series. Um, there we go. Uh, I was in Resolution, uh, where I didn't play the Dalek. The Dalek was actually remote control this time, um, um, and it was fabricated by um, a very uh, talented gentleman, Colin Newman, who's uh, he built the 
TARDIS interior and the console, and also we worked on classic Doctor Who. Um, but I was one of the soldiers in that episode, which was uh, which was quite good fun. And um, you see me dead as well, so <laughs> I did some of my uh, some of my best and most important thing to do when you're dead, because a body doesn't fall in a normal way. Uh, however, if you have to spend hours on end led on the floor in a certain position you just make sure you're just led as comfortable as possible otherwise if you're pulling this shape you're gonna have to spend an hour doing that um so die comfortably is what you're saying yeah yeah but um uh as for the new series um who knows but quickly if i could just say something is coming out that um i can talk about well, I can't really talk about it, but I didn't care. Um, <laughs> Nobody's listening. Don't worry about it. Um, Nobody's going to hear this. They, uh, the BBC and HBO are um, making a new series uh, called His Dark Materials, based on Philip Pullman's novel, and um, it's a much better interpretation than The Golden Compass, which didn't quite hit the mark. Right. Um, and um, I play a character called a gobbler, um, which is uh, one of the sort of very evil child catcher guys. So um, uh, I, I, I think I will make the cut because they had to do some reshoots. Um, and if you're shot in a reshoot, then you're almost definitely going to be seen. So uh, keep an eye out for the face. And you'll see my face. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> behind, a, behind a mask. All right. Yeah. All right. Good for you, man. Good. I so I think it's time for cake. Does everybody want some cake? <laughs> oh. So uh, the intellectuals, my my uh, my little troop of entertainers here in San Diego, we uh, we did a big Finnish uh, radio drama last year at Hukon uh, live, and this morning we did another one live, and uh, we're celebrating the 20th anniversary of Big Finish here at San Diego Hukon with a Dalek oh. cake. Look at this! Right. Wow. Wow. wow! Oh, very nice. Is very he nice. edible? He is not edible. Oh, oh okay. Oh, are not edible. <laughs> are not edible. I was just wondering, <laughs> are those individuals? Is everybody going to get one of these? Or, well, or fortunately, we, we have. This is the prop cake. <laughs> this is the prop cake. Okay. We have two Costco sheet cakes that will be oh, available okay. to all attendees Three. and anybody else. The after cameras the are pod. cameras are up there, John. <laughs> after <laughs> the pod. See that cake. There you go. All right. I want to make sure you all saw the cake. The <laughs> cake. Definitely. And uh, I believe we have a couple of proclamations that we're sharing, we do. right? Uh, first thing you want like someone to, to hold that for you? No, I, I can hold it. But uh, <laughs> we'd like to sing "Happy Birthday to Big Finish" because okay. we'll be sending this back to them. Okay. And then afterwards, we'll have a proclamation from the city of San Diego and the city of Los Angeles to Big Finish. Ooh. Ooh. So, well, let's, we uh, could... let's sing "Happy Birthday to Big Finish." In one, Hi. two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Big Finish. Happy birthday, Doctor Who. So with that, I'd like to bring up the representative from the mayor's office of San Diego. Hi, good. Hi, good afternoon. My name is Guillermo Castillo. I am an intern at the mayor's office, um, at Mayor Kevin L. Faulkner's office, 36th mayor of the city of San Diego. I am honored here to represent Mayor Faulkner, and I would like to take the time to recognize John Lias for his tremendous contributions to Big Finish. 
I would like to personally personally congratulate you all for making the um mark for the marking of the 20th anniversary. The Big Finish has successfully created and indulged audiences for over 300 hours of Doctor Who and has done so for so many years. Wow. Mayor uh, Faulkner and the city of San Diego would like to thank you all for your positive contributions and on behalf of the mayor and the city of San Diego, we would like to present this certificate to John Lias on behalf hey. of the on behalf of Big Finish, I am happy to accept this for them. Um, they've been a great partner for us for the last two years. They've allowed David and his group to do live audio dramas, and we are thrilled to be able to have them come back every year as partners, and hopefully next year they can actually be here in person. And I'd also like to thank the mayor's office for recognizing Big Finish and offering this proclamation to them. All right, with that, I'd like to bring up the representative from the city of Los Angeles. Thank you, John. My name is Miriam Lopez. I'm here representing Council Member Bob Blumenfield, who represents the third district of the city of Los Angeles, and also the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti. On behalf of the city of Los Angeles and the mayor, my boss and fellow Whovian, <laughs> Councilmember right. yeah. Blumenfield, it is with great pleasure that I present the certificate to commend the talented creators and actors and producers of Big Finish. Um, your vision for this, uh, on this, sorry, for your vision on this momentous occasion. To all of you at Big Finish and from the City of Los Angeles, congratulate you on the occasion of your 20th anniversary. Although the mayor, Eric Garcetti, and Councilmember Blumenfield could not be here, uh, they would like to extend their best wishes for your continued success as you delight and indulge audiences for many more hours of Doctor Who adventures. Congratulations. Also, I want to say that we look forward to seeing a lot of you, if not all of you, in Los Angeles for Gallifrey One in February. Woo! Here, here. Picture there. Cool. Awesome. On behalf of Big Finish, uh, I am happy to accept this proclamation from the city of Los Angeles. Uh, unfortunately, they were none of their staff were able to be here this year, but again, they've been great partners with us, and hopefully next year they can be here in person and at Gallifrey One uh, to represent uh, the BBC and Big Finish and continue to delight audiences with even more audio dramas uh, with starring the Doctors and the Companions. Thank you very much. Okay, so with that, I will turn the programming back to David, and cake will be available after the podcast. That is the, the deal. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's, let's hear it for a big finish this 20th. Bravo. Uh, I know all these people are going to tear me apart if we don't have cake for them. So. <laughs> 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 someone, needs to, yeah. someone needs to bring cake in here. Stat, I'm terrified. <laughs> cake, cake, cake. cake. Um, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I think for me, it's one of the cool things about Doctor Who is like, it's this little British show that could, right? And it's brought so many people of so many different backgrounds together uh, where, look, the city of San Diego and the city of Los Angeles both made proclamations for Big Finish today. How cool is that? Yeah. It's, yes. It's kind of amazing. So cool. Um, and I think that's one of the great lessons in Doctor Who, right, is is that lesson of, of inclusion and 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 oh, I think so. not division, mm. you know, but being mm -hmm. being together and accomplishing things together. I think that's when I find Doctor Who the most exciting 
is when he and his companions or she and her, her companions are all working as a team to, to accomplish the goals of, of the particular episode that they're in. I get really excited when it, the whole team's engaged. Yeah. <laughs> using and obviously using their, their, their minds, their intellect, right? You know, the, the, the doctor's most powerful weapon is the doctor's mind. Yeah. You know, to figure out these various situations. What a fantastic, uh, essentially fantastic superhero mm. to have mm -hmm. whose superpower is the mind. Right? Yeah. And, and used for good. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a lovely, lovely sentiment. Uh, do we have any more questions from anybody in the audience? Anybody? You? I know you. You're full of questions. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Can't just sit there with your camera. You got a question. I know you have a question. You can hold that and yeah, we'll I hold the microphone for you. Uh, Doc knows I talk. And even John knows I talk. <laughs> yeah. <he's okay. laughs> Didn't have to agree so quickly. I was being very British and polite. <laughs> yeah. You're in America right now. Yeah, he was being to. kind to me. I agree. I think that Doctor Who is one of the best inclusive shows. It's always been very positive. Um, even when there's been something sad, it's always turned it into something pre um, pretty positive. However, I do have kind of a, what do you think of the diversive um, problems that the fandom's having right now with everybody being mean to each other is I guess the best way to say it. I know that many people are nice to each other, but on Facebook, I, I man. Think, I think I, the answer I have to that is we have to be cautious of the echo chamber nature of social media. And one voice can sound like thousands, yeah. even though it's not. Mm. And I am friends with many, many, many fans of Doctor Who from all walks of life and all variations. And I don't hear that negativity in the way that I read about it on social media. And I think we need to be very careful about this particular topic because people are entitled to opinions and they can disagree with things. How they disagree, that's the question, right? And I think the doctor would, would agree with that, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's how you disagree with somebody that's important, you know, because you can disagree, but you don't have to be disrespectful. You don't have to be harmful or hurtful in any way, shape or form, just because you don't see eye to eye with somebody else's views. Do you guys agree with that? I, and I think a lot of the problem is as well is, is that um, it's very difficult to convey your thought or an opinion in 140 or 280 or whatever characters. Right. And also the writ, if you're reading written text, is very difficult to get the intonation of what that person's saying. You could actually physically read something lightheartedly. You could read the same thing and actually put a dang beat on it. Um, so, um, Oxford one, comma, one, no Oxford comma, that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I, I use emojis <laughs> all the time, even though I think, you know, it might be a sort of slightly backwards way of trying to do something. But if you actually put a laughy, smiley face, sad face, it can actually then... Uh, put forward your message a little bit better. The other thing as well is, is that um, people, if they see something, um, people are generally very impulsive. And mm. normally what I would say is if you want to write a comment, leave it two hours, come back to it. If you still feel that way, maybe write it. Right. Because uh, a lot of times I've gone to write something and I've gone, oh, no, maybe not. And then two hours later, I was kind of like, oh, I'm glad I 
kind of didn't write that really. Right. So, um, and and obviously now it's transpired in the way that the Facebook algorithm works that obviously they've created a product and they want customer retention and uh, basically people uh, seem to. Um, uh, whenever they react negatively, there's more retention. So mm -hmm. then in the feed, all negative posts are generally the ones with the, the highest amount of comments. So, right. uh, and like you, like you were saying, it's like some echo chamber where, you know, you, you look at everything and you go, oh my God, like the world's collapsing, but it's basically just picking very small conversations out of yeah. a larger conversation. Well, it's, it's actually very interesting because the question was posed for Doctor Who, but... If you look at the last three or four years of fandom, sci-fi fandom, fantasy fandom in general, this is a problem across the board. Star Wars has suffered from it tremendously with The Last Jedi and then Solo and the fallout of that. And there's still echoes of that, you know, with the attendance figures being down at Disneyland this summer. People are using that as a way of reigniting the echo from the complaints they had a year ago. Well, I'm going Thursday, so the attendance level will be up. It's plus awesome. One. Steve works there. So oh, do you? Uh, yes. I have my ears. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll see you Thursday. You know, but, uh, but <laughs> and you see it with the Marvel and the DC uh, echo chamber. You yeah. Know, one's better than the other and the arguments that fly around over that. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a dangerous thing to listen to the negativity online and think that that's what's the normal viewpoint of people because the reality is i think all of us if we really think about it if you really like something you're not you tend to not write about it mm -hmm. <laughs> you just enjoy it and you're good to go if you really dislike something you're like i'm gonna make a comment about that someone needs to know that i'm unhappy it's so easy to just spout out mm -hmm. vitriol you know, and right. because you're looking for an avenue to vent. And, it's a very and you're looking for the attention. You want the eyeballs. You want yeah. the likes. But it's also the... anonymous online. Yeah. So mm -hmm. oh, It's anonymous, and that's the problem that anybody can be a mean boy or a mean girl now. You can just sit yeah. there and yeah. a lot of fake accounts. And so it's a, a very divisive, divided moment across the board, not just fandom, yeah. but everything, every television mm -hmm. show that's out there. Uh, a lot of people are, are maybe just angry or mad that it's not them. Mm. You know, there's a lot of jealousy. And so you, you, why write something positive when you're not happy or you're angry? So unfortunately, I think we've given a lot of maybe unnecessary power to the Internet it may not be, uh, it, it, we used to look at Nielsen ratings to decide whether an actor is coming on board or not. Now they look at how many followers you have on Instagram. Mm. And, and it, the algorithms are so strange right now. You can lose 200, 300 followers just from a post that maybe they think that you don't look your best in your photo. Yeah. So I think that maybe we've given too much power to all of this. And it'd be kind of nice to just... Go back to the old ideas. When I was a kid, uh, I remember my mother saying, uh, well, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I know that sounds sort of silly, but um, unfortunately, we've lost that sort of morality uh, in the world today where it seems like the negative thing is the cooler thing to say. Yeah, I think than to say we should positive. start something like hashtag defend positivity. Yeah. Or how you about know? positive fandom? 
Oh, I like that too. I, yeah. I, I would like to get involved in a group that would be, let, let's think of positive things that we can say about the current fandom things that we have out there. How much fun we have cosplaying. I mean, if we were to lose fandom, that would be a big, huge loss. And cosplay is huge among young people. Well, and honestly, that's why we have our Sci-Fi Sunday podcast on, I think on it's my wonderful. channel. I think it's, it's wonderful. a chance for me and my friends to sit down and talk mostly positively about things you do. we love, you know, and you guys be unapologetic really... about loving it, you know, no, right. and, uh, and yeah. I think there should be more of that, and we should encourage that more. You're here. Freedom. I'm yeah. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other questions from anybody? Anybody? Anybody got anything? No? Here, somebody said to, to ask you guys the wild speculation. What do you see going forward for Doctor Who? You might know more than you're allowed to let on. So <laughs> I know nothing. Making I know stuff nothing. up. I know <laughs> Making stuff up. What would you like to see in the next season of Doctor Who? Because um, I know pe people had things that they wished they'd seen more of. I, I was really happy to see the Daleks return mm. and essentially classic Who yes. creatures return mm. yes, yes, in yes. that New Year's special. And I hope that, well, we've heard the Jadoon are coming back, right? Mm. Which is a weird choice. <laughs> but the Jadoon's coming back. Um, so that's kind of cool. Are there any classic creatures you'd love to see in the next season of Doctor Who that you hope shows up? Um, well, one, I sometimes get asked what monster would you like to play um, from classic Doctor Who, um, which uh, as a child, and it, it really scared the bejesus out of me, was the Sea Devils. Um, so, uh, if there's one thing that I would love to see, it would be the Sea Devils. Cool. I've, I've thrown my name in the pot to be the 14th Doctor Who. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just did a, a panel here with Barbara Hambly, who, you know, is an amazing author in sci-fi. And, uh, I'm, I proposed the idea that, that Barbara write a fantastic uh, 14th Doctor and allow me to come forward and play that. Could you imagine that combination would be very interesting. <laughs> but I, I, I love the idea of having an opportunity of maybe less ageism. You know, no, don't worry about the age of the Doctor and let him be some kind of time traveler where his age can change. He goes back in time. He goes forward in time. But the classic episodes are the best, definitely. And to bring all of that back, I think, for all of his fans would be sensational. I think we'd all love it. What about you, Steve? I have a question um, as far as uh, for John here. Uh, what was the most difficult uh, makeup or prosthetic that you actually had to wear? Oh, um, the one that took the longest was mm -hmm. the Whisper Man. Um, and that took three hours every morning. Wow. We started at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, nice and early, and it was a, um, a foam latex face piece that was glued. Even though I don't have hair, we had a, a bold cap put on, and the whole head was painted. Uh, and then they painted the, the shaded shadow detail on our faces because the final uh, application for the skin was uh, just a, a common and garden uh, lady's stocking, white stocking, wow. pulled over our head, glued. Uh, the stocking, however, was then cut and glued to our lips. So we had a, a stocking kind of glued to our lips all day, and we couldn't close our mouths. Ah. Otherwise, our, teeth, our lips would stick together. Um, uh, and on top of that, we couldn't really see anything. You know, we had 
bank robber vision. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we wore it for 12 hours and it took an hour to sort of rip it off of our face at the end of the day. Um, but um, it, I've done far more difficult jobs in my younger life. So, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously it can be a little bit challenging and um, most of the problem is not falling asleep. Um, because most TV and film productions, um, right. they use a phrase, hurry up and wait. Mm -hmm. So you have to be there right on time, dead on time. You've got to be early and they rush you through to get all these things done. And then you just sit for hours on end, waiting, waiting, waiting. Then all of a sudden they say, right, you've got to do your thing. We haven't got any time. We've got five minutes to get everything done. So, um, yeah, keeping your brain occupied um, mm -hmm. is uh, generally generally the best thing the the sideman like i said earlier weighed about 50 pounds so you know that you had a, a, a good workout wearing one of those um but uh but yeah i wouldn't say it was difficult i would say what, what would you say would be the easiest if you did oh um possibly the oud which was a very uh, comfortable, nicely tailored suit that we were wearing, mm -hmm. and a big foam latex mask that just popped on over our head, and it was almost like being inside of a giant pillow all day. <laughs> so again, <laughs> the falling asleep kind of equation kicked in quite heavily on the warm food. and soft. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, for myself, uh, a creature I would love to see Jody like interact with, and this is going to be weird. Y'all are going to look at me like I'm crazy, but I'd love to see Jody deal with the adipose. <laughs> I don't know why. It just, to me, it just seems like it'd be fun to see. <laughs> but uh, guys, thank you so much for sitting and chatting with us today and, and joining us for the big finished 20th anniversary celebration. Right. How cool is that? So really cool. 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 So much Doctor Who for so long, both uh, audio and video now. Um, and if you uh, if you enjoyed what you heard today, I hope you'll Check us out. Our, our website is ixe.us or the intellectual with an X uh, dot com. And uh, we drop episodes periodically all throughout the month, all year long. Um, so we're going into our seventh year of the intellectual podcast. And this we just brought back Sci-Fi Sunday uh, this year. Um, but it, it, this mm -hmm. would be its third year if it had been consistently going. So I will subscribe. I appreciate, I appreciate it. it. And I will be sure to tune in to your future adventures, sir. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you guys you. so much. Thank, thank you all for joining us here. Thank you. Enjoy San Diego Hukon. Give yourself a hand. <laughs>